All right. So since 1963, Andy Williams and this lovable song has tried to put listeners into the joyful spirit of the Christmas season. Its energetic intro and lyrics about a warm, fuzzy, cozy winter events. You know, they're preparing for parties and there'll be marshmallows for toasting and caroling out in the snow. You know a Baptist wrote this song because... Like, when they gather, they're going to eat. Amen? So, I mean, we're going we're gonna to host parties and we're going to eat. Amen. That's, that's a Baptist thing to do. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Or is it? While many of you may enjoy the sights, the smells, and the general spirit of the Christmas season, others do not. You know, e- even this morning, like, even this past week for us, you know, Kendall said, told her mom she said next year we're going to the mountains like don't don't plan on us being here don't plan on us coming for thanksgiving it's just too chaotic everybody wants to pull you in multiple different you know ways it's i don't know if anybody else can relate to that or just our family is is like that but you know we they all live here and you know it's like hey we see you (laughs) we see you all the time so like why do we have to see you on that day right but you can't please everybody so the holidays can be pretty stressful and so as we think about the holidays, I want to ask you, have you ever met a Scrooge? Now, no pointing fingers, don't nudge the person next to you, right? But I want to remind you, as we, you know, you laugh about that, and there's two characters we really think of. We think of Scrooge and we think of the Grinch. And it was very fascinating, by the way, because I looked last night and I found like a read-along video on YouTube and was kind of letting um, the first pages of that. Because I was like, what does the Grinch actually say? Like, we know what um, Scrooge says, but what does the Grinch say, right? So anyway, I was, I was uh, trying to get into that and trying to figure that out. But as you think about it, um, I want you to think about those, those people in your life, those bah humbugs that you'll hear this Christmas season, that you shouldn't take it personally. I mean, we, we make so much about us and about the focus and attention being on us, but it's not. And so as you meet people this Christmas season, I just want you to be reminded of this. When, and it's something I've learned. When you're caught off guard by someone else's unexpected response, then you simply have to ask, tell me more and tell me why. You know, a humble person can learn from anybody. And so the church, as we know it, is kind of in this, we've become irrelevant in the world that we live in because why? A lot of times when there's things happening, and there have been, of course, over the last few years, when there's things happening, we just want to tell people what we don't believe instead of what we do. Instead of walking into conversations and simply just sitting down and saying, tell me more and tell me why. Why do you believe that or what's going on? And so you've got to ask, And then listen. And if they want to talk, they will. But I also want to remind you this, that sometimes they might not be up to a conversation, and that's okay. Why? Because not everybody can always vocalize what they are feeling. And here's the gist of this morning as we talk about, like, the dysfunction of the holidays. We're we're just going to have a frank conversation about that this morning. Because the world that we live in is not this Norman Rockwell painting you know it's not a hollywood movie it's real life 
And so I simply came this morning to remind you that as you interact with people who might catch you off guard, who don't really have the spirit that maybe you do, is that you need to give them space and you need to extend grace. Because we don't know what the last 11 months has brought their way. I mean, you think about the Christmas season that we're in this year. There's more that's happened this past year than probably in any other year in in previous decades. People have lost their lives to COVID. COVID is a real thing. Had a conversation with Ms. Janet Moore, who works in the ICU, and the interesting thing about the ICU is this, and with COVID here recently, with the latest variant, is that there were people that were in the hospital that were sick with COVID that were about to go into the ICU, of which they did not return, because the textbook things that they would do for previous illnesses and things, you could, by the textbook, kind of know what was going to happen and what you need to do. COVID threw all that out the window. But here these people were sick with COVID, about to go into ICU, and they were denying that COVID even existed. That's the world that we live in. You know, you think about people, their lives have been disrupted. Their, their routines have been disrupted. They've lost, people have lost family members and loved ones during this pandemic. We need to remember that as we go into this holiday season. I want to remind you too, think about it. it. They could be spending the first holiday season without a loved one, somebody who's passed away. They could be miles away from a family member wishing they were closer together. I, I thought about this morning in the first services, I was sharing this with them. We have an, we have an Air Force base and the 3rd Army, who are right here in our community, those men and women, some of those men and women, and I know this because of conversations that I've had with people who are in the Air Force, some of these men and women lived in communities, they had no hope, they had no options, so they just said, I'm going to go into the Air Force. And so they wound up in the metropolis of Sumter, South Carolina. They have no family, no friends, no connections. They're hurting. They're afraid. They're lonely. They're lost. See, friends, we need to begin, as we've talked about over previous weeks, we need to begin to pray, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. There's tons of need in the world around us. We're called to be his hands and be his feet. And in this season, we're called to be light. If we have Christ and we have light living inside of us that should be shining through us at a time such as this. Maybe somebody could be between jobs. Maybe they're without a job. How? I don't know because people can't find enough people who want to work. They could be struggling with an illness, something that you don't even see. Here's one I thought about. Maybe they might be ashamed. Maybe as you go out to dinner, they would love to buy you a present. They would love to buy your lunch, but they just can't afford to. And they're shamed. They don't want to admit that. They want to be a blessing, but they just can't afford it. Honestly, some people might be an introvert. I mean, I have talked to people recently that it drains them to be around other people. Like, they are physically exhausted after being around people. I thrive off of being around people. COVID has not been my friend. Because I, I want to be around people. I want to hear what's going on in their lives. I want to hear what God's doing, what He has done. Their hopes, their dreams. I want to be able to encourage them. And listen, there might be those you meet this holiday season that don't believe what you believe. 
and that is okay. So listen, just because someone isn't merry and bright doesn't mean that they hate you and hate your favorite season. And so I pray today as we prepare for this Christmas season and next Sunday we will, as Austin mentioned, yes, this Sunday technically begins Advent, but next Sunday as, as our combined worship, we will have some worshipful things, music and, and candle lightings, Advent readings, but we'll also be studying Advent and what Christ brought, what came at Christmas time. And I look forward to that. But today, I pray, my prayer for today's message is and was that it would challenge you. It would challenge you to see things differently. It would challenge you to listen differently, to pray differently, and to love differently this holiday season. And so I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn over to the Gospel of Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Turn over to the book of Luke. As you're turning there, we're going to be in chapter 1. And so I, want to, I just want to remind you, who was Luke? Luke, before he met Jesus, was a physician. Now, what do we know about physicians? Physicians are learned men, right? They're, they're studious. They enjoy reading. They enjoy learning. They're, they're men and women of detail. Do you want a physician that's working on you or working on your case or helping you with your care that doesn't have attention to detail? So before Jesus met Luke, he was a physician. Now, as he became a disciple, he also became the historian. So really, Luke and Acts are, are one book. And they're written to a guy. Look with me in verse um, 3 of chapter 1. And Luke says, It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account. Sound like a physician? Sound like somebody of detail? An orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. Listen, he's writing to Theophilus, who is a wealthy man. Wealthy men still seek Jesus. Amen? Christianity is not a crutch for the weak. You're, we're, we're called to engage our heart and our minds. And so he's written this book to Theophilus, Luke and Acts. And so we see this detail, this great detail, probably the greatest detail of the Christmas story we find in Luke's gospel, in Luke's account. So real quick, we're going to be looking at verse 78 and 79. I'll start in um, 76. But before we get there, we just need to set the tenor and tone of, of what's happening before we just dive into two random verses as some might say, I, we just gotta we gotta look at these verses, but we kind of have to look around. We have to see what's going on. So, what is happening? Well, first off, the birth of John the Baptist is foretold, and then we see that Jesus's birth is foretold. Mary visits Elizabeth, and as she does, that she breaks out into song, starting in verse forty-six, one of four songs that we see here in Luke's gospel, and then we see the birth of John the Baptist. It will be in uh, Zechariah's prophecy. But we really need to understand, where, to understand where we are this morning. I want you to look with me in verse 18 through 20. Because this is where we're at. You've got to understand what's happening before we get where we're going. And so in verse 18, And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. He's telling, he's telling Zechariah, that he and Elizabeth are going to have child. So can I just pause right there and remind you that what may seem impossible to you is not impossible to God? That God is the God of impossible. 
And so if you're going through something right now in your life and you think there's no way possible that I'm going to get through this, can I remind you that with Jesus you can? Can can I remind you that some of you in here may be living in broken homes or have broken marriages, or there are people in your circle of influence that are in those situations as well. And God is the God of impossible. What seems impossible to you is possible with God. Verse 19, And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Can I remind you this morning that good news came at Christmas time? That some of y'all need to go home. Now, this doesn't happen in this service. First service. Speaking of the first service. But I'll tell you what I told them. So, some of, some of them, they need to go home and turn off the TV. You need to stop worrying about things that are happening in communities that don't impact you. You need to stop worrying about things that you have no you can't help. You can pray, amen, and we should be praying that the Lord break our heart for what breaks us. But things that are happening in Michigan and in California and Kalamazoo don't affect us right here in Sumter, South Carolina. In the Lakewood community that, you, that, we, that we find ourselves in, off of 15, in the southern part of this county, there are people who need good news. Good news came at Christmas time. Are we sharing that? Are we sharing that good news? Verse 20, and behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Now look with me, starting in verse 76. So we see that John the Baptist has been born, and there's a conversation of what they should call him, and they they say his name shall be John. And so here, out of a nine months of being mute and not being able to speak, we see that as he comes through that storm, that Zechariah, what does he do? He doesn't talk about how great he is, but he begins to sing a song of praise to God. And so I want to ask you this morning, when you come and you God delivers you and he offers victory over the trials and things in your life, are you talking about how great you are and how great your doctors are, or are you talking about how great God is? How great is our God? Because Zechariah couldn't help but sing, and we see this in these words as he's prophesying. And so look with me in verse 76. And you, child, speaking of his child, John the Baptist, which was the forerunner of Christ, which was who Christ would be, but he, he, fore, he was a foreteller, forerunner, and he was telling of Christ's coming as he was about to. And so you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, and you will go before the Lord to repair his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Verse 78, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So right here we see in this picture in this passage of scripture what do we see Luke tells us because of the mercy no because of the tender mercy of our God whereby the sunrise shall visit us on high to give light to those who sit in darkness. Friends, that's why tonight is so important, this candlelight service. It is a beautiful picture of what happens, what Christ has brought. What does light do? Light exposes things. 
Light brings things into view that we don't want to be. So is there any wonder that people all around this church and some of you in here this morning are hiding from the light because you don't want to be exposed for who you really are? And what's really in your heart? And what's really in your mind? I know I don't. But I know there's a God who is greater and I thank Him for using a broken vessel like me friends he wants to use each of you if if christ is in you there's this light and scripture says that you don't light a lamp and put it under a basket but it's to be put on the lampstand to shine and to light the way and to point others to christ and so what's beautiful about this candlelight service, and some of you might not make it tonight, and that's all right, because I'm going to give you one of the key points. But what I think is beautiful is when you take that one candle, that one candle is lit, it doesn't seem like very much. But as I pass the light that I have to you, and you pass it to him, and you pass it to her, and you pass it to her, and you pass it to him, what's beautiful is it's a lot brighter than we think it is. Because you see what? We're a whole lot better together than we are alone. That's what it's like to be a part of the family of God, to be a part of a church body. Is that when one hurts, the other hurts. When one rejoices, the other rejoices. We're better together. To give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death. Think back. To Psalm 23, what we just went through. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He's with us. Even though we walk through dark valleys and dark times and trying times, it's okay. Because He is with us. What's beautiful about that light is it's there to guide our feet in the way. In the way of peace. We're to be peacemakers. We're to be looking for peace in our relationships, in our conversations. There should be peace. What's interesting here is we look at what Zechariah is saying. He's prophesying, he's telling of the future, but he's also confirming what the prophets of old have already said. I think back on what Isaiah wrote. We see this in Isaiah 9, verse 2. It said, The people who walked in darkness had seen a great light, and those who dwelt in the land of dark, deep darkness, on them light has shone. That's who Christ is. Light has come, and the light has been shown, but they would rather hide in the darkness. They'd rather hide in the shadows than be exposed. We're called to be the light. We're called to come into the light and to surrender our lives, to surrender our hearts, surrender those things. As as the psalmist says, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Some of us need our hearts cleaned, our minds cleaned. Be careful what you tell yourself. Be careful what you have on rinse and repeat in your minds. A lot of it's lies. And you're to replace it with the word of truth. 
You're to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You're to get into Scripture and allow Scripture to get into you, to get into your hearts and into your lives. Scripture even says that we should basically learn Scripture so that we wouldn't sin against God, that we might not sin against Him. You see, friends, there are people sitting in darkness and death. They're gripped by distress. But then Jesus came, and He brought life, and He brought light, and He brought peace. It was a dawn of a new day because of the tender mercies of God. I want you to get a picture, as I've mentioned, of what is happening with Zechariah. He couldn't say anything for nine months, and he breaks his silence with a song of praise to God. Good news came at Christmas time. Why aren't we sharing it? And that reminds me of three things that the gospel does. First and foremost, the gospel reveals. As we talk about this light that is shown on men, the gospel reveals. And we know there's a problem. It's called sin. It's those things in our lives that separate us from God to where we try to be God when we're not. The gospel is reviving. It brings light. It brings hope to those who sit in the shadow of death as condemned prisoners in a dungeon. I think about the old hymn, Revive Us Again. Listen to these words. We praise thee, O God, for the spirit of light who has shown us our Savior and scattered our night. Revive us again. Fill each heart with thy love. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. Friends, there's some of you in here this morning that need to be revived. You need revival. And can I remind you of this? Revival doesn't start out there. It starts within each of us. And before you can be revived, you need to be vibed. You need to, there needs to be a second birth. So some of y'all need to trust Jesus and what he says he is and what he's done for the first time. If you really want transformation in your life, if you really want to see the fruits of the Lord in your life, then you need to admit that you can't do it on your own. And then we wonder why our churches are in the shape that they're in, because they're people who need Jesus. There are people who are masquerading. You know, we worried about, well, we should, should we wear a mask or shouldn't we? Some of y'all have been wearing masks for years. Oh, you put on your smiley face and you come to church and, oh, praise the Lord, everything's good. Sister, good. Yeah, it's good. Man, and you've fallen apart inside. I'm not saying you've got to pour out your heart and tell everybody your deepest, darkest secrets as they greet you at the front door, but you've got to find community with other believers. You've got to be revived. And can I remind you, just like that one light, that one candle, that one light that's lit, it might not seem like much. But the Lord is looking for men and women still today in 2021. And as we look forward, Lord willing, to 2022, He is looking for men and women who are willing to be revived, who are surrendered and willing to do His will. Not my will, but thy will be done. And the interesting thing about that is, is y'all, it takes one person. What has the Lord placed on your heart and your mind? Maybe you're like my wife who, for eight or nine years, she worked at the pregnancy center and she had a burden for the unborn. 
and she had the burden for mothers with unexpected pregnancies. And she was, in essence, the first line of defense when they called. That women were abortion-minded, they were scared, they were alone, they were afraid. And so she met them where they were on the phone. And she loved them. And she encouraged them, encouraged them to come in. And they would, ha- they would talk to one of the counselors and they would try to get them in for an ultrasound so they could see that there was indeed life in them. And no telling what God wanted to do with that life. But what burden, what passion has the Lord given you? Not only does he need men and women that are surrendered, but he needs men and women that are consistent, who are going to be willing to stand in the gap regardless of whether no one else stands with them. I'm thankful for pastors that I have sat under and I've heard preach and teach, and there are men and women who have, who revival has swept this country, swept por- portions of this world because one person got a burden and began praying for their church and for their community. And there's one story I heard recently where the guy basically put in an ad in the newspaper, and this was in the early, late 1800s, early 1900s, if I'm not mistaken. He put in an ad, he invited people to prayer and, and for 30 days. And for 29 days, he showed up and nobody else came to pray. And so that 30th day, he was like, you know what? Should I even go? But he went. And one other person showed up. And from there, it just began a fire, a revival of people. And communities and lives were changed because they were willing to be obedient. So the gospel reveals, it revives, and it redirects. It is a guide for our feet, and it is, it is the way which will bring us peace at last. So I want to ask you this. How do you live out a message like today? How do you, how do you live this out? I want you to think about the people that you'll interact with over the next few weeks. And I just simply want to offer a few thoughts, a few suggestions, to where you might be able to help someone who's struggling through the holidays. That you might be light in the darkness. A couple of these we've already touched on, but just want to remind you. Give them space. Give them space. Extend grace. Pray for them. Pray with them. This morning, one of the members, the first service, he he came up to me and he was just sharing a burden that over the holiday weekend that he knew of a man who took his own life. A time that we're to, they were to, his family was gathering around the table and, and wanting to love and encourage him, and the man took his own life. And so you know what I did? I said, can we, let's pray for that family now. Because here's the thing, how often do you, I'm not asking for you to raise your hand, I want you to think about this. How often do you talk to somebody and be like, oh, I'll, I'll pray about that. And you walk out this door, you get in that car, your tech, you get a notification on your phone, somebody sends you a message, somebody calls you, the cares of this world rob you of that. And when do you ever stop to pray for that person and pray for that situation? I'm guilty. So when he told me that, that was important to him, that was a burden that was on his heart. So I just said, can we pray for this family? And I didn't offer a long, wordy prayer, but I just said, Lord, I pray that your peace and your presence would be felt in the coming days and coming hours for this family. Right? Amen. Because listen, the Lord doesn't want long, rambly, wordy prayers. That's pharisaical. That's standing on stage, standing on the street corner, praying to be heard. Invite them into the presence of God. Pray for them. Invite them into a conversation. And listen. Right? 
Just be present. Even this morning, as I was looking up something I'm going to share tonight, I went back and there's this guy, he's a digital pastor, he's, he's an Aussie. His name is Dave Adamson. And he shared this tweet by Bob Goff, which I like Bob Goff because he just breaks it down. and he, his, his stuff is so short, but so impactful. Listen to this thing that Dave Adamson shared of Bob Goff. He said, most people need love and acceptance a lot more than they need advice. They need love and acceptance a lot more than they need advice. People want to be seen and heard. Invite them in a conversation and just listen. Acknowledge their pain. Acknowledge their pain. Don't judge them. Don't judge them. Like in this meme I saw on Facebook the last couple of days, I love it. A guy was, had this like station wagon, so you know it was from the 80s. And so he, um, he had this, this tree that was like cut off and sticking way out the back. I mean, it was like huge, sticking way out the back of the car. And he said, hey, I'm going to get a speck out of my brother's eye. But look at what he's carrying with him. Right, that's scripture. We worried about everybody else wanting to judge them and what's going on in their lives. Look at what's going on in our own lives. Ask them if there's somewhere they'd rather go. During this holiday season, maybe you go off, off course. Maybe you go out a, another direction. A lady who I was had the privilege of preaching her funeral and actually preached her friend's funeral, now come to think of it, she told me about when we preached her friend's funeral that basically she would just invite her, and, and, they, and they, they were polar opposites. One was very timid and shy, and one was very outgoing, and so what did they do? They, they pulled the best out of each other. You know, one guy, Charletta was, I think, the lady's name, and Miss Linda, and so Linda was, like, pulled out of her comfort zone when she was with Charlotta, right, and vice versa. Like, so they would get in the car, and she told me about this one time they just rode to Poinsett, and they walked around. Invite people in. Just ask them if there's something else they'd rather do and go do it with them. Sandy Stanley says cheat. You, you just cheat those cheat other areas. You're going to have to cheat in your life. You're going to have to sacrifice things in your life to be present with other people. To be present with your own family. You're going to have to cheat and sacrifice what might be good things for better things. Encourage and love them. And lastly, remind them that Jesus loves them, is with them, and that you love them as well. Um, after today's service, second time I've done this, you think I get it right. Um, after today's service, I have a handout that I ran across this week that I think is kind of cool. And I want to read from you. I printed some of them out. It's called Your Holiday Survival Roadmap. It's a three-page little document. And listen to what it says. If you want a copy, I'd be glad to give it to you. Can you use it all? I don't know. Can you use a portion of it? Sure. The dreaded eight-hour road trip in a cramped car, the memories of someone you miss, the complicated family situations, or the feeling of loneliness. These are just of a few of the reasons that the holidays are difficult. Finding the right balance of boundaries and self-care is critical for staying healthy. Too often we avoid, listen, too often we avoid thinking about complicated moments until it's too late. This worksheet will help you plan your trip, which will help you to respond in difficult moments and prepare mentally for situations that may come up. Think through your timeline, setting guardrails, one of which that I appreciated is it had a line on there, a section that talked about if you had to pick three people and you needed somebody to lean on during this season, who are they? 
and you might only be able to put one name. You might not have anybody on that list. Maybe you begin to pray that the Lord would send you that person that could be there for you. Amen? All right. So this morning, I've been speaking to three different groups. First, there's those of you that need your eyes open to the things of God. Secondly, there are those of you that maybe blew this Christmas season. You may be mourning the loss of a loved one. You're unsure of what the future holds. You've been hurt by someone in this church. You've been hurt by someone in this church or another church. Can I remind you really quickly, and time is nigh, but there are people all around us that are disenfranchised with church. Because in times in their lives where they were hurting and they were scared and they had messed up, instead of finding space, instead of finding grace, instead of finding love, they found judgment. They realized that there were people who taught them certain things and believed certain things, but their talk didn't match their walk. They're disenfranchised, and they stepped away. I'm thankful that as we have conversations with people who are visiting this church, one conversation that I had recently was with, a, with someone, and I said, where do you go to church? And they said, nowhere. I said, praise the Lord. Because listen, I don't know about you, but we have enough problems here at Bethel Baptist Church, right? We don't need other people from other churches bringing their problems to Bethel. Amen? Man, y'all, are y'all awake? Hello, we have enough problems at Bethel already without other churches bringing their problems here. But are people going to find a space? Are they going to find grace? Because they've been disenfranchised. Because people talk the talk but didn't walk the walk. Maybe they've been hurt by someone in their family, their circle of friends. Listen, they may be going through a life change. They may be grieving can I remind you one thing I learned of grief? Is that grief is not just the loss of a loved one. There are people all around us this holiday season that are grieving. They're grieving because their schedules have been disrupted. Their lives have been changed. There are people who, they're grieving this holiday season because their children are in the Air Force or they moved away and won't be home for the holidays. This is their first Christmas as empty nesters. Lastly, there may be some of you here this morning that simply need to slow down and realize that even though it's the most wonderful time of the year for you, it isn't for a lot of people around you. Don't get caught up in the hustle and bustle of the season and miss acts of kindness, a chance to encourage someone, the opportunity to be Christ, to be His hands and to be His feet, to be light of Christ, the light of Christ over these next few weeks. So, so why, listen, and, and you, it's funny I'm asking this question at the end of the message versus the beginning, but why would I preach a message about dreariness in a joyful time of year? Because it's what's really there. It's what's really happening in the hearts and lives of some of you. And for others of you, I, my prayer has been and will be that you will see things differently. 
that you will listen differently, that you will pray differently, and most importantly, that you will love differently this holiday season. The reason I do this, and, and, and I call it a blue Christmas, it's not just because Elvis made it famous, right? Which, honestly, I read an interesting fact about that this week, that as Elvis and the men went into the recording studio to record that, he basically said, can we just hurry up and get this over? But blue, the blue Christmas, blue is a, is, a, is a color of mourning. There's some of you here this morning that are mourning. Also, as we think about Advent, coming up is the longest night, the winter solstice, on Friday, December the 21st. It is the longest night of the year. Some churches will do a longest night service or a blue Christmas service. And, I, and that reminds me of Psalm 30, verse 5, that tells us, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I've come to tell you this morning that morning is coming, that healing and hope are coming, and they have come. And if you're looking for hope, if you're looking for healing, that you're in the right place, that hope came at Christmas time, and his name is Jesus. Look to Jesus this Christmas season. Lastly, I won't read the entire thing like I did in the first service, but I simply want to remind you this in, in Christmas's past and in, in Advent season's past that I found myself in John's gospel, and John gives us a beautiful picture of Jesus in John chapter 11. And listen to these words. Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping. Listen, listen to what Scripture says. He groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And then we find two of the most beautiful words in all of Scripture. The shortest verse in the Bible. Scripture tells us Jesus wept. Jesus wept. And so what a blessing John's gospel is some 2,000 years later that our Savior can sympathize with you. What do I mean by that? He knows pain. He knows suffering. He knows loss. Rest in these facts. Take comfort in these truths and find hope to go on because Jesus knows and Jesus cares. My prayer as we close is this. Lord, help us to see those around us this Christmas season that are hurting, that are sad, that are lonely, and help us be your light in their lives. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Lord, thank you for this Advent season. Lord, thank you for reminding me of a blue Christmas. Lord, thank you for reminding me that even though it may be joyful for some, that there are others that are in agony, there are others in pain, there are others suffering. And so, Father, I pray, my prayer is for me, that I would be a vessel of hope and encouragement, that I would be light in the darkness, that I would point them to you. My Father, Father, my prayer is for these, your people, that they would realize the love that you have for them, that they would surrender their will in trying to do life on their own, and they would just turn to Jesus and look full into his wonderful face. And Lord, when we do, the old hymn says that the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. Father, I pray that we would get before you, that we would reflect you this coming season. Lord, that we would just realize whose we are and, and what you've done for us and, and what you want to do. Father, help us to be light in a dark world. Father, help us to 
to realize and, and to have that fire, that light lit within us first. That we may have the hope and he, peace and healing that comes from only you. Father, we won't find peace underneath a tree and presence. But God, true peace and true joy is found in your presence. And being before our maker and realizing who we are and what we've been created to do. Father, just to be with you and to be in your presence. Father, help us to be who you've called us to be. Help us to reflect you. Help us to shine brightly and point others to you this season. Help us to give people space and to extend grace to one another and to ourselves. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you sent your son Jesus. Lord, in this morning, we celebrate that baby. But Lord, we celebrate the grander story of his coming, that he came to rescue me. And he came to rescue each and every person here this morning. Father, help us to live in light of that truth. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.